0: Hey, stranger. I'm Jenny. I'm Annie, and welcome to Kissing Strangers.
1: From book adaptations to reality TV, we'll be covering today's depictions of romance in all of its forms.
0: Together, we'll try to find out whether the truth sometimes really is stranger, stranger than, than fiction. fiction. Uh uh-huh. Annie, what did you do last weekend? Well, actually, Annie, we. (laughs) This is stupid. (laughs) Yeah, we were together. It wasn't last
1: weekend either. It was three weeks ago now.
0: People don't have to know that, Jenny. Right, right, right. right. Sorry,
1: whatever. We actually went to the Bridgerton experience recently, and it was so fun.
0: You know, I'm actually still surprised by what a good time I had. It was so exciting to go to like a costume party
1: where everyone was actually committed. In Yeah, in costume. And the decorations were so nice. I even loved learning their stupid dance, even though it was so stupid. And the show they put on was actually quite good.
0: I, I think overall, like you said, part of the joy is just being in a place where everyone is full send. People have handmade their costumes. Everyone's really respectful and engaged. I've been to a lot of kind of immersive theater experiences. And I told Jenny that my expectations were pretty low going into it. Because in my experience, it ends up not being super fun when you have a bunch of people kind of like wearing sneakers. It ruins the immersive component. But here, like the other people there, like really added to the experience. And we definitely saw and encountered a couple of begrudging, you know, begrudging attendees but on the whole, people were excited to be there. I just like to say,
1: most of the begrudging attendees happened to be a participant's partner. And you know what? Maybe they should just rise above that toxic masculinity and enjoy the heck out of this experience because it was fire, okay? Objectively fire. As a guy, you can appreciate some Regency crap, get your Regency old fashioned, and learn a dumb dance.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just seems fair that if women should be expected to go to sporting games and not be, like, pouting the entire time, you can go to a ball in the middle of D.C. and, you know, really just fully commit to your part. I agree. I
1: hate sports. Okay. But every time I've been to a sporting game, I still have a good time because other people are having a good time. Plus, the DJ was killing it. Yeah, well, he was really appealing to the age that was there. Let's just put it that way.
0: Well, I, I was worried we were going to encounter a lot of vitamin string quartet, but that was not the case, thankfully.
1: Yeah, they just played a uh, get on the floor, j Loaf. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say before we start, we are slightly experimenting with some of our episode formats. We would definitely like to hear some feedback, and you can send us feedback by email or through our social media.
0: Constructive feedback, please.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're fragile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our third episode, we'll actually be covering a movie. It is The Lost City, which stars Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. You led me straight to the lost city. Now prepare to die. A quick summary of the movie for, for those of you who haven't heard it. Sandra Bullock, who is a grieving romance novelist. Her husband passed away five years earlier and she has just wrapped up her newest book which let's just say she's not like super happy with when she was in college she was really into archaeology with her fiancé at the time and she actually always wanted to be a archaeologist novelist type thing after publishing the novel she actually gets kidnapped by our villain played by daniel radcliffe his name is abigail fairfax it's gender neutral guys (laughs) Gender neutral, according to him. (laughs) He is the second son of a billionaire family, and he is really interested in her novel because she used actual research and translations for an ancient civilization known as the Lost City of D. When she's kidnapped, her cover model, played by Channing Tatum, and in the movie, his name is Alan, he goes to the island in an attempt to save her. And then together, they traverse the rainforest in the attempt to escape Abigail, facts, but also to potentially find the ruins. And, of course, there's some bonding between Eleanor and Loretta. And I don't think it's a spoiler here, but, uh, you know, they survive and they get together at the end.
0: Jenny, what if someone ends the me? movie? We're going to have to throw in uh, some spoiler alerts. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, the two very attractive romantic leads do not end in a tragic demise out in the jungle, shockingly. Yes.
1: Shocking. All right, let's just start with some of our general thoughts. What did you think about the movie?
0: I went into it with slightly higher expectations than I ordinarily would have. I think I saw a trailer like way back when and kind of dismissed it a little bit. I'd heard some kind of passingly good reviews and overall like remained pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I think it got something like a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it it deserves more than that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's crazy to say. (laughs) That is kind of crazy to say. (laughs) I'd give it like an 81, maybe even an 82. But you were saying you feel the same on some level.
1: On a certain level, I do. When you suggested doing this movie because you heard it was good, I was super surprised because... You know, they, they they always make kind of one of these, like, stupid movies sometimes, which I do enjoy. But a lot of times they're just kind of, like, not good or, like, they're not very fun or they make inappropriate jokes. I was more prepared for, like, that kind of experience. So it was better than I thought. But I would actually probably rate it a 70. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's rated a little high. I did think it was good, but I didn't think it was great.
0: Yeah, I, I Maybe I would agree with that, but I think the difference in how we seem to approach movie ratings is I generally rate based on, like, my expectations of the genre as opposed to, like, where it stands in the entire catalog of movies that I've ever watched, if that makes sense. It's more of, like, comparing it to other movies that give off this exact same vibe or, like, fit this very specific need for how I'm feeling and what kind of movie I want to watch. And in that sense, I really think it was successful in delivering. Right.
1: I mean, I think I'm also sort of comparing to other movies. The closest ones I can think of is that Jumanji remake. And <laughs> and I would actually put um, Spy. But I mean, to be fair, I, I really like Spy in the same category. And I would say at least this one, even though it was enjoyable to watch at the time, is relatively forgettable. Like, I kind of barely remember it right now.
0: Yeah, I think it (laughs) was. I guess I do agree with that. Did it really, like, blow me away? No. It might just be more of difference in expectation versus reality.
1: Overall, it is a super enjoyable movie.
0: I would say it might be one of the better rom-coms I've seen in the last year or two. I'd say so. I I did think there were
1: definitely moments where I thought it was genuinely quite funny. There's this okay, I know this is like really stupid. I felt a little attacked. Um, but Channing Tatum has this Oh sorry, his sorry, his um
0: his character allen exactly what you're gonna say right
1: now. Oh, you do? Are you sure?
0: I, mean, I have a pretty good idea that it has to do
1: with his exam. Oh no, that's really funny though. <laughs> no, that's not what I was
0: gonna say. Um. Okay. You can cut this part later, but I thought you were offended by rashiness being shown on the big screen. No, no,
1: I'm actually really happy rashiness was shown on the big screen. Oh, representation. Yeah, I would like to say that a lot of people suffer from eczema. And for what it's worth, having such an attractive guy like Channing Tatum suffer through eczema is, I think, solid eczema representation. No, I was going to say, so... Channing Tatum plays Alan, who's the cover model. Like, he's like a Fabio character, but he's also supposed to be a real idiot. He called Sandra Bullock or Loretta a human mummy. And then everyone's like, mummies are human. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I would call someone a human mummy. So I
0: felt kind of attacked. <laughs> okay, there was no way I was going to guess that. No. that. That is very funny, though. No. <laughs> what would you say is your
1: favorite part of the movie?
0: My favorite part? God, it's kind of hard to choose because there are a lot of moments that I just found either funny or endearing in some way. I I think I went into it just expecting that there would be kind of misogyny just purely because of the tropes that they would be working with. I think for the most part, they really actively work to almost pay respect to the genre and to like think about the way that these audiences kind of get made fun of and really trying to like flip that commentary or narrative even for Loretta herself Sandra Bullock's character she doesn't seem to really respect her own work because perhaps because she had expected that she would be doing something quote-unquote more serious you know putting out historical books based on her research and she doesn't really think that her work is achieving at the level that perhaps she originally expected. And I think what's nice is that you get Alan, Channing Tatum's character, coming in and saying, you make so many people happy and you should be proud of that. I don't know. I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think this ties really closely to probably my favorite part, or I guess some combination of my favorite part, which is first, like, Jenny Tatum does a really good job playing
0: the himbo. He comes across so sweet. I agree. I think you get a lot of She's the Man vibes. I'm sure you've watched it. Yes, everyone has. Yes, of course. I think he has kind of not done as many roles like that in more recent years. But I think this really goes right back to that like Duke Orsino kind of like dumb joke. Character. And yeah, I agree. He does a really good job.
1: I think, in relation to that, I would say probably my favorite part in general was that I did really like the chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. I feel like, for me personally, a lot of the kind of rom com like things that we've seen, I'm not truly sold on like the chemistry between the two main leads. And I don't know if I'm like biased because they are movie stars i have some sort of understanding of their at least public persona to a certain extent and maybe that's partially what's selling it i thought that they just seemed like they got along really well together
0: yeah i would agree with that i think there wasn't necessarily like a romantic or sexual chemistry for me it was just more of like a general chemistry like you can feel the actors really clicking like all of them including when daniel radcliffe and brad Pit are there and like yes, maybe that has to do with the caliber of the actors and also our familiarity with them. But like I think that that to a large extent is what has been missing from a lot of the other rom coms we've been exposed to more recently. Yeah. All right. Well, did you have a least favorite part? I actually have to think about this. Do you want to go first? I think
1: for me, it's not really like a part specifically. I kind of wish there was like a little bit more actual action-adventure elements to it. They spent uh, a good portion of time on side characters, Loretta's assistant or something, and her trying to get to the island to save her, where I just don't think it landed as well because they weren't really focused on writing her bits. In the very beginning when Brad Pitt is there, there's a true action scene where it's just really pretty badass. (laughs) Loretta Sage, getting you out of here. Why are you so handsome? My dad was the weatherman. And and like I'm not saying they have to be badass the whole time because obviously Loretta and Alan are not kick-ass action people or anything, but I would kind of like to see a little bit more
0: of that there. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up as being your least favorite part because I actually put this in my notes. One of my favorite things was the depiction of the fighting skills, specifically Channing Tatum's fighting skills slash lack thereof <laughs> it, it's just really funny to see someone who's like a beefcake this very like muscly attractive romantic lead and like he can't fight where the damn his best move is to slap people who are already unconscious <laughs> <laughs> and i love that like that's just very realistic
1: i know i agree with that i'm not saying they have to be necessarily better fighters by any means i think what they do with what they have is very good i just kind of wish there was slightly more action in general
0: Yeah, I I think I can kind of see what you mean insofar as usually there's a height and a climax of action, but here you got almost more action at the front end, which, yeah, it it kind of subverts your expectations a little bit. Well, now that we're talking about the side characters, that kind of brings me to something I didn't like as much. Something that they did try to do was have a little bit of an anti-colonialist thread through it. I think there was some discontent from the locals. You know, wealthy British dude buying up parts of the island. However, I think it was just executed halfway. And I, I think they could have done more with it. There was a specific character. I can't remember what his name was. Kind of like the henchman. His name was Rafi. Rafi. I feel like there was like a setup from the very beginning. That he was going to double-cross Daniel Radcliffe's character, Abigail, at some point. And, like, he does. But it's just very kind of muted and, like, not very satisfying. Yes. I just would have liked to see more. And I think in the same way, I've once again forgotten Beth. Yes. Beth is Sandra. This is so confusing. Whose name am am I using? Beth is Loretta's editor, publicist. And she's kind of on her own journey the entire time. And I am glad that we get to see her journey to the island. But overall, I think you're right. It's just kind of going halfway and we're like not getting a ton from the side characters.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least in terms of the writing and stuff, it just didn't seem like they put that much focus on the side characters. And I do think that is detrimental because obviously in the end, the the somewhat addressing colonialism aspect is really kind of barely there. And very similarly, even though you do have an arc with Beth, who, by the way, is like a, a Black lady, like the main characters are in the end all white. And they have all kind of the best movements and lines.
0: Right. It feels like they're trying to wedge some amount of diversity in there by force. And it, it wasn't done very naturally, frankly. Yeah.
1: All right, so for this episode, we will only have one theme, and our strange theme this week is No Stranger 2, where this is just something that we're seeing again and again in media, and specifically in regards to this movie, the No Stranger 2 topic is the rise of the himbo. According to Wiki, actually, so himbo, as some of you may or may not know, is derived from the word bimbo, which originally, starting from the 1920s, was a derogatory term specifically used for blonde women to suggest that a specific woman is empty-headed, stupid, and only just there for looks, pretty much. And actually, according to Wiki, bimbo was originally used to describe a stupid and brutish man. And it's actually derived from the Italian word bimbo, which means a young man child. But obviously, after bimbo has been co-opted to be used for women, bimbo was another term that originated in the 80s. And according to an article from The Guardian, it was coined in 1988 by the Washington Post to describe men who chose to flex, not sex. And the main example there was for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And there's actually both himbos for men and women. Specifically, Arnold Schwarzenegger or like Sylvester Stallone from Rocky would be good examples of himbos for men because they are obviously like super buff dudes that are good at, I guess, kicking ass. But if you see throughout media since, there have also been a lot of himbos that are meant to be the love interest for women. Specifically, we have that police dude from Bridesmaids, James Morrison in 30 Rock. What's what's his name? Joey from Friends. I was going to and- say Johnny Bravo, but I don't think any women are <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> I'm not sure we're supposed to think of him as a love interest.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. He thinks of himself as one. Yeah. Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? Brock from Pokemon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no that's not Such that's not himbo, himbo for him. women energy no no, no, no. no he's just dumb. yeah oh
1: i don't want to i don't want to make it seem like it's himbos for himbos for women it's more like himbos for anyone who's attracted to men yeah, so
0: if you're into that kind of thing yes yeah
1: <laughs> so i would actually say right now is the era of the himbo we both have himbo actors in the sense of we have channing tatum and I would probably classify um, Jason Momoa, probably in that category, too. And we see them all over in different TV shows and movies as well. So that's kind of the history of the himbo. Janning Tatum in this movie is literal definition of a himbo. He is so nice. He is so sweet. He's so caring. Here. Oh, I got your cheese. Oh, my God. You got to stay hydrated. Thank you so much. They didn't have glass bottles, so we'll definitely hold on to it and recycle. He, even though he's so stupid because he... For example, he, like, gets these boots for Loretta because he doesn't want her to traverse the jungle in high heels. But he still gets her high-heeled boots.
0: Do you think that was him being a himbo or just being, like, a man? Because <laughs> I swear to God, if I told my dad to bring me walking shoes, he would do that. <gasps> Give you, like, high-heeled booties? <laughs> yeah, he'd just be like, you said boots." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. But he also gives her string cheese, and she loves string cheese, and he's just very nice to her. And yeah, we love the attention
0: to detail. Yes, and he, he he just really admires her intellect. Yeah, I think it's not just him respecting her intellect, but also there's one to me pivotal scene where he actually just asks her straight up, what do you want to do? That is what this is about. And I was like, dang, like, I just like, I can't even think of any content I really consume where the man like stops and asks the woman like, It doesn't matter. All this stuff doesn't matter. Just ask yourself, what do you want? And I was like, what the heck? Mm. It was refreshing in a good way.
1: So what do you think about the himbo in general?
0: I mean, on some level, I'm troubled by it because it bothers me that when women are quote-unquote bimbos, it's, you know, a negative connotation, whereas there's like a way to just rebrand empty-headed men and like have it be a positive trait. But at the same time, I do think that generally it maybe reflects like a positive movement that you can have women as kind of the intellectual, more compelling center of the movie. And you end up with these men who are more of the quote unquote trophy figures and they're kind of just there as eye candy. So I don't know. I, I, I feel both ways about it. I guess for me,
1: a part of it does slightly bother me as well. For me, it kind of feels like a man has to be quote-unquote dumb to have to be nice and respectful towards women.
0: And <laughs> that kind of bothers me. I don't know if I necessarily get that feeling. But I, I think the other thing, the kind of competing concern I have is I feel like it kind of casts this idea that women who are incredibly, you know, who are incredibly demanding or um, high achieving just have this very rich intellectual world, that their match has to be someone who can't really engage in that way, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree, but I do feel like the most appealing part of Gahimbo character is the fact that he is so nice, um, attentive, and respectful towards his woman counterpart. And I just feel weird that, yeah, in many cases, his counterpart is like a really high achieving intellectual woman. He's just there to support her, do acts of service, for like words <laughs> of affirmation. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of right. like all there is to it. He's just a teddy bear. I kind mean, a lot thing. of the
0: time it's just listening. Yes. Your favorite yeah. trait in men listening. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, true. I do it's like so good... rare. <laughs> I do like a
1: listener. <laughs> but yes, it is rare. So I like watched a couple of videos about this trope. And they're saying how like, it's like easy to see why a himbo is popular amongst people into men. Right. But they're mostly putting it in the positive way of saying how this is a response to saying how masculinity can be a good thing it's presented in the right way and it's some sort of answer to toxic masculinity in general Um, which I do agree with to a certain extent but yeah I don't know
0: yeah I think I worry about this creation of binaries in any way yeah like as troubling as I find the more traditional tropes of romance which tend to be kind of a woman who is a romantic pursuing a man who is not and like that man coming to terms with it and coming to grips with his own emotions and then like pursuing the woman at the end we're getting an inversion of that with this era of kind of this very intelligent intellectual woman paired with a himbo at the same time you're still like existing in that binary even if you've kind of fought it in some way
1: yeah i agree with that the himbo a big part of it as well as the fact that he's just in general like really hot and buff I don't know if objectifying the man body is the way to go either.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. Agreed. Agreed. For starters, buff guys really scare me. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, this movie does deliver on that front. Yes. In case anyone is curious. There is another trope that many people are familiar with, which is attending to a wound or illness scene, and <laughs> y- you get to see a lot. Okay, is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Some might argue too much,
1: for yeah. too long, but yeah, I'm just
0: going to leave that there. Yeah. Can I just say, I don't, I don't think this is, this is neither here nor there. But when she's describing a romantic way of him to die of eczema, um, I hated that description so much. I think she said like the red rims, the crimson like ridges. Ew, I literally, I know, I know. I, know. What, I was like, like, I'm literally going to vomit. Like, <laughs> I, I can't.
1: Okay, that was a <laughs> that was a slight tangent, but I did want to say that for what it's worth, the himbo himself, I should say, is a total fantasy because the whole point is that they just have that really like dumb dog energy and. I don't think anyone in the real world actually has that is like actually that stupid, but also somehow like secretly attentive and nice. I don't know if we fully fleshed out what we feel is like weird about it, but
0: I mean, I just think as with anything that becomes a trope, there can be some toxicity with it in terms of what expectations become. Right. I don't know that I can say that it's all the way good or all the way bad. I think it's definitely somewhere in that gray area. On the whole, I don't mind it in moderation. (laughs) Right. No, I agree. Are you into the himbo trope? Personally, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) But I do find it very funny that I think in the very, like, towards the beginning, Sandra Bullock calls herself a sapiosexual. And that is something that I used to think I was, like, into. I think I've kind of distanced myself from that at this point. Because... There's, like, a tendency towards pretension on that end of the spectrum. Yes. Whereas the himbo, th- I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I really couldn't. Um, I, I, I don't, like, strange cheese does not a relationship make, you know? Um, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, that's, at the end of these
1: movies, we're always supposed to think, oh, and then they live happily ever after. But I'm like, she literally identified as a, it is sapiosexual, right?
0: hmm
1: Like, what are they going to talk
0: about? Yeah,
1: I guess there was that one scene where he was supposed to demonstrate some sort of brains when he came up with that plan to use her jumpsuit yeah, as like a the diversion. street smarts. Street yeah. smarts. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he went and Googled Latin for her. So. Jeez, bar is so low. Okay, cool. So
1: that concludes almost our entire episode. We have one section left. This is a new section we're going to be calling bodice grippers, where we will essentially recommend you whatever we want to recommend that has gripped our bodices. (laughs) (laughs) So for my recommendation, I believe it is a Swedish show called Love and Anarchy on Netflix. I recommend this to Annie, and she found it slightly problematic. So that is your (laughs) warning. That is is your warning there. But you know what? Sometimes I'm just looking for hot people having great chemistry together. And I would say the two leads have really good chemistry together. And season two is coming out. And I liked it. It is kind of like a workplace drama, comedy, romance, more on the drama side. But, yeah, that's my recommendation.
0: So I don't think, Jenny, you like this show, or maybe you just haven't watched it, but I really enjoy a show called The Circle.
1: Want wanted to start this chat just to get to know all of you. Girls who stick together are pretty girls. Emoji heart and
0: send. Which is a reality show created by Netflix. It is kind of cringy because it's operating off an idea of social media that seems to have been kind of invented by people who have never used social media. However, I find it very entertaining. I think what's really nice about it is it's basically this like competition. The person who becomes the kind of like ultimate winner of the prize or influencer is actually chosen by their peers. And I actually find that like overall, like people are having meaningful conversations and it goes a little bit deeper than your profile picture or things like that. And I don't know, it's just mindless, fun entertainment. And I like the the mafia-esque uh, component of having catfish thrown in there. Right. I have actually seen
1: parts of this show. I just feel like it's so weird. So what they do is they'll yell at a TV and say,
0: circle, sunglasses yeah. <laughs> Fun glasses yeah. emoji. Yeah. Fun glasses emoji. Peace emoji. Hamburger emoji. Yeah, that's That's actually a little more random than what it would be. It would be more like. OMG, g <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown emoji. Monkeys oh, with hands over mouth and <laughs> like People are naming like really complex emojis. And there's some like poor production intern just in the back writing out these messages to each other. If you want to look at the uh limits on AI. Yeah.
1: It's just very strange. Oh, make a group chat. Call it skinny bitches
0: message. <laughs> i won't say it is the most elevated form of entertainment but you know what i do like about it is unlike a lot of the other reality tv tv show formats the producers are like actively working to make it different every season and so you genuinely don't know what to expect oh yeah jenny we we forgot to uh plug our social last time so we're gonna have to remember to do that we have, well, I, I kind of thought the social plugging was to direct us to the podcast.
1: So by the time they're here, I feel like I've already won.
0: <laughs> it goes both ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I yeah. guess it makes sense. I personally think our socials are popping way more than I would have ever anticipated. So, yeah. Um, you can email us at kissingstrangerspodcast at gmail.com. And we also have TikTok and Instagram and Twitter kiss underscore strangers. We've been your
0: hosts, Annie and Jenny, and this has been another episode of Kissing Strangers. Tune in next time for the latest developments in your favorite content. And until then, don't Don't be a stranger.